Dear Robin teacher, you took care of the various it. Cheerfully, it could the study of English. Manner, feeling that a little America became near theirs. Even if it is returned in America, I take care of yourself. Attach it to the body, the feeling and gratefully. That's a letter I got from one of my students in Japan, where I used to teach English. What it fails to say grammatically, it makes up for in its sentiment. And I think I understand. But let me start at the beginning. It all started in the fall of 1995. I was flat broke and needed to make some money fast. One day, I saw an ad in the newspaper. It seemed like the answer to everything. The Japanese government was hiring Americans to help teach English in the public schools there. The pay was good and no experience necessary, so I sent off for an application. They wanted a photo, a personal biography, a medical report with a blood sample, a detailed list of all my family members, and an essay on why I want to work in Japan. I said, I like Japan. I want to live there. A few weeks later, I got an interview. Mr. Hilton, do you have any teaching experience? No. Can you speak Japanese? No. Do you have any qualifications at all for this job? No, not really. I was hired immediately. The following summer, they put me and all the other successful applicants on a plane and flew us business class to Japan, all expenses paid. It was amazing. Just a few months earlier, I was living on a diet of cheese sandwiches and Kool Aid. On the plane, I had a bottle of Chianti with a T bone steak. At the Tokyo airport, there were hundreds of other Americans just like me. All of us part of Japan's master plan to flood the country's schools with assistant English teachers, or AETs. In college, most of us had studied literature or political science. Some had majored in art history. But few of us could find a decent job back home. We were a hodgepodge of misfits with the best intentions. One of the first Americans I met was Kevin from Virginia. I've always been interested in Japan. I'd lived in Okinawa when I was four, but I don't really have much recollection of that. But、uh, I was interested in Japanese cultures and Buddhism in particular, different things. I think it's one of the best choices I've ever made to come here. Like me, Kevin was full of hope and excited about the future. Our heads were spinning with possibilities. <laughs> Somebody from the Board of Education picked me up from the airport that day and dropped me off at my new apartment, a squat, concrete building grown black and gray with pollution. I'd heard that living quarters in Japan were tight, and I was surprised to get a place to myself. But this was a dump. It was surrounded by billowing factories, and the air smelled like raw sewage. I thought I'd see ancient temples. Buddhist monks and women wearing kimonos. What I found looked like Detroit on a bad day. The next morning, 
I was to report to the Board of Education office for my first day of work. When I arrived, I found a couple dozen workers, mostly men, standing in the hallway, waving their arms around and touching their toes. This was the government prescribed morning exercise routine, designed to keep employees from having heart attacks at their desks. They performed the routine with all the enthusiasm of someone about to get dental work. Most looked half asleep, some smoked cigarettes. The music itself was piped through the entire building, even in the bathrooms. After the routine, they settled into work, sitting side by side in row after row of old metal desks. Most of the workers looked worn and tired, some borderline catatonic. They pored over huge stacks of paperwork and hammered their computer keyboards like machines. I looked out over the office, but no one seemed to notice I was there. Then I saw one of the workers was smiling at me. I smiled back, and he stepped forward to introduce himself. Mr. Nakagawa was my new boss. I liked him immediately. He told me to relax. He showed me my desk, and someone brought me a cup of green tea. Mr. Nakagawa bowed with a smile and went back to work. I sat, shuffled a few papers, and looked around the office curiously. I was waiting for someone to give me my new assignment, maybe a map to a school or perhaps a detailed teaching plan. But several hours passed. And I was completely ignored. You've probably heard the expression that 90% of success is just showing up. I quickly learned that was never more true than in Japan. As long as I came to work on time and sat quietly at my desk, everyone was happy. I could read a book all day, listen to music, or even lay my head on the desk and take a nap. Co workers repeatedly gave me candy, brought me tea, and told me to please enjoy the relax. One time I tried to empty the trash, but several other employees quickly surrounded me, took the garbage can, and told me I shouldn't work so hard. Days passed, then weeks. I thought I'd be in a classroom. I thought I'd be making a difference in students' lives, exploring our different cultures and teaching English along the way. Instead, I was stuck in an office filled with government bureaucrats. More than a month and a half had passed, and I'd never even been to a school or seen a student. I was bored out of my mind and began to fear I'd made a terrible mistake. I was thinking about moving back to America when Mr. Nakagawa told me he had some news. He said I was finally going to teach English at a real Japanese junior high school. He handed me a sheet of paper with a few sentences scribbled in English. It was my instructions. I was to greet the students, give my name with a brief self introduction, and sing a song. My name is Robin Hilton. Robin Hilton. 
And I am an American. American. I am from the United States. Okay, so. Good morning, everyone. How are you? Oh, I'm fine too. Thank you. It's a beautiful day. Do you want to sing a song? Yes, I do. Okay. Try to picture me in front of these students as I danced around like an idiot, mouthing the words to this song. I'd like to say it was more complicated than this, but it wasn't. The school didn't really want me to teach English. They already had a perfectly fine Japanese person for that. It appeared I was purely cosmetic. I was something for the students to stare at so they could see what a real American looked like. I felt like a specimen, a novelty, a sideshow entertainer. The students were starstruck. I could cause a riot just by showing up. After each class, they'd swarm around me like a crazed mob at a Backstreet Boys concert. They'd ask for my autograph, grab at my clothes, or touch the hair on my arms. This was to be my reality for the next three years. The Board of Education kept sending me to new schools, and each place I visited was the same. It's hard to believe I could elicit this kind of response just because I was white or different. But Japan is still a very homogenized society, and many are infatuated with Americans. Everywhere I went, people would stare or try to talk with me. Women were flirtatious. In school, I was the first white person many of my students had ever seen. And I have to admit, I loved every minute of it. My ego swelled to mythical proportions. And after a few months, my bank account swelled too. The rumors about making money in Japan are true. One teacher I met had saved more than $100,000. Some friends of mine saved more than $60,000. I suddenly found myself making more money than I'd ever seen before. I was riding a wave of both fame and fortune. Life was good. The longer I was in Japan, the stranger I felt about my circumstances. It seemed odd and almost shameful I could make so much money for doing so little. Some of the teachers I knew told me they considered the money fair compensation for the pain and suffering of living in a foreign culture. Admittedly, I went to Japan for the money, but I did think I'd actually be doing something to earn it. And after several months, my students hadn't learned a thing. Dear Robin teacher, thank you for being for the short time very much. The class of English cannot chatter readily and didn't finish because I didn't like to chatter. Have been to be a little while only, but be careful healthily. Even if it returns to America, 
and send husband and wife relation well pleasant life. Once a week, on Friday mornings, I went to a coffee shop near my office. I never taught classes on Fridays, so I'd meet my friend Tracy to have breakfast and talk about our week. Tracy was from Scotland and also an English teacher in Japan. Like me, she was given thousands of dollars and treated like a celebrity. But she didn't seem to mind. I quite enjoy the lack of responsibility, the lack of preparation, the fact that I, in fact, I don't even think about it. I've reached such a sublime, surreal level in the classroom that I don't have to think whatsoever. My brain is a pretty blank. But I don't mind that because it's given me the opportunity to pursue things that I'm genuinely interested in. I came here um, with a huge list of books that I wanted to read because I'd never had the time before. And so I'm slowly working my way through all these books that I really wanted to read. I arrive sometimes after 10 o'clock. Sometimes I'm only in school for two hours and they say, well, you can go home now. Your work is done for today. Thank you very much for your work. Tracy said we were lucky. She told me to relax and enjoy the free ride while it lasted. Back at the office, I spoke with my supervisor, Mr. Nakagawa. What do you think about me as a, an English teacher in Japan? Uh, perfect. Because very kind and very, yeah, you speak English very clearly for students and very slowly. Yeah. I think every student is very happy to see you. So, so do you think that I'm, am I lazy? You're not lazy. I think you're perfect. Yeah, you worked very hard, I think. I should say there were teachers in Japan who really did work hard. Americans who took their jobs seriously and tried to make a difference. One of the most respected teachers in my area was Michael from California. He was famous for his intense dedication and scrupulous work ethic. I think probably one of the most offensive things I heard, it was my first year and it was in, in my group, a, a woman. Uh, we'd been teaching in Japan for about two months, and we were at an AT meeting. And she was sitting back and she said, you know, this is the easiest job I've ever had. She said, all I have to do is show up. And, you know, I overheard it. I mean, I didn't confront her, and, you know, it wasn't any of my business. But I thought, you know, what are you doing? What are you, you know, you're paid probably more money than you've ever seen before. And it's the easiest job you ever had. And I found it, like, the most challenging job I ever had. You know, the most interesting by far. But um, I hold teachers to a, to a very high moral, you know, principle, and I, and I think that there's, there's a, a degree of morality to it. And, I mean, if you don't reflect on that and you don't have any moral sense or moral responsibility, uh, then, then I think, yeah, you're taking advantage. You're taking advantage of the Japanese people, uh, but, but more so you're taking advantage of the students. Hi. Hi, it's me. Hi. One of my closest Japanese friends was Chieko Kamei. Hi. She was an English teacher and unusually honest and direct by Japan's standards. Most Japanese are polite and almost always maintain a veneer of respect and civility. 
This is the tatemai, the way things seem. But beneath the surface is what they call hone, or their true intentions. Talking with Michael had made me paranoid. I began to suspect my students and co-workers actually thought I was lazy and stupid, despite all their bowing and smiling. I asked Chiyoko what she thought. I had some oral communication class with A.T. And I don't know how, how he came to Japan to get a job, but uh, he didn't want to work. He was lazy. And sometimes he late for school. He late for the class. And maybe after 30 minutes or so, he appeared. And he smells alcohol. He smelled like he, he had been drinking? Yes. And after the class, I asked him, What time did you go to bed? You smells like alcohol with smile. Because I didn't want to have a call. And he said, Oh! I didn't sleep. Just I was drinking all night. It's unbelievable, just unbelievable. Chiyoko said her school never tried to fire the teacher because they didn't want to disturb the wa or group harmony. She said that was the reason many schools continue to pay assistant English teachers who do little or nothing to earn it. <laughs> In many ways, all of this is possible not only because of Japan's complicated social protocol, but also because of its rigid educational system. Students have one purpose, to pass a series of notoriously difficult university entrance exams. The English part of the exams only covers reading and grammar, so schools spend very little time teaching students how to actually speak English. It's a system that leaves many Americans feeling useless and frustrated. In time, even those with the best intentions grow weary and bitter. I mean, when I first came, I was definitely, I mean, I, I saw myself as an educator. That's my friend Kevin. Now I'm, I see the, the dead end that teaching English in Japan really is. I think a lot of the people who come to Japan thinking that they're going to make a big difference or that they're actually here for a real reason become very disillusioned with their job when they realize that that's not why they're here. They're here as a freak. It's just, it's very prestigious for a lot of the local boards to be able to say they have a native English speaker here. After a couple of years, I too became increasingly disenchanted with my job. I had visited nearly every school in my area. Students were no longer satisfied with my self-introduction or with singing songs, so teachers started using me as a human tape recorder. Please repeat after me. Have you ever been to Disneyland? Have you ever been to Disneyland? I consulted a handbook the Board of Education gave me when I first arrived. There was a section on mental health, and it told me I was suffering from culture shock. It was a relief. I had thought I was losing my mind. Every now and then I'd hear stories about AETs who committed suicide, or others who were alcoholics. I was afraid I was next. 
Kevin tried to reassure me my feelings were normal. I think it can go either way if you're here for a long time. You either really know what you're doing here and really know what you want out of this being in this culture, or you really kind of lose your mind here. I've seen some people here who are very socially retarded, both from a standpoint from my culture and from the Japanese culture, in a kind of a limbo. They don't know where they belong. They don't know what they're doing. You can be completely insane as a foreigner in this country and still get along. And a lot of people are completely insane in this country. I started sleepwalking through my classes. On some days, I didn't even bother to show up. As an experiment, Kevin once skipped an entire month of work, and nobody said a word. My idea of what the morality in the situation is has changed. I mean, you only live once, and I personally have better things than sit in an office for no reason at all. And if nobody else cares, if I'm not going to serve any other purpose, then um, I have no shame. It's interesting to consider how any of this could happen in a country famous for its industriousness. The typical Japanese employee has an almost rabid work ethic. In my office, I saw Mr. Nakagawa work at his desk for up to 70 or 80 hours a week. I began to feel sorry for him. It seemed like such a senseless and misguided way to spend his life. I suppose it's arrogant of an American to pass judgment and assume his way of living is better than anybody else's. But I liked Mr. Nakagawa and believed I could help. So each week I tried to get Mr. Nakagawa to leave the office with me, to go to coffee shops or restaurants for extended breaks. I encouraged him to relax and take his job less seriously. To see there were more important things in life. From time to time, we'd both skip work and hang out at his place. Oh, is this the same? Yeah. Okay, you start anytime. Okay, one, two. Before he worked for the Board of Education, Mr. Nakagawa was a concert violinist. He studied the violin as a university student and planned to make music his life. But music didn't pay the bills, and eventually he was forced to give it up. Before this day, when he played with me, he hadn't touched the violin in more than 14 years. After playing, we ordered a pizza. We sat together, we ate, and talked about the two different worlds we come from. Though I stayed in Japan for three years, I was always an outsider, always a gaijin. And to Mr. Nakagawa, it seemed I was lucky. I was a visitor and ultimately free to leave Japan at any time. But this was his life, and he'd continue to live it long after I was gone and back in America. I have So, too much job, so I must stay late at night in the office and I must work 
uh, even on Saturday and Sunday and I don't feel human life my life is not human life so when I feel really relaxed I said this is human life right yeah I, I agree yeah I think many Japanese cannot feel this is human life yeah see I think see I think Japanese people work too hard mm -hmm. and you don't have to mm -hmm. you really don't have mm -hmm. to right because I think you stay so late mm -hmm. that there's really no reason to stay late you right right why I don't know why it's custom yeah. thanks to you I feel human life Mr. Nakagawa liked to say I taught him how to be happy but I think I learned even more from him. Despite the vast cultural differences that separated us, he helped me to see the similarities. We shared the same dreams, the same fears, the same needs, all of us searching for something better in this mysterious human experience. The world seems a lot smaller now, and I can see how strange and beautiful it is to be anything at all. Dear Robin Teacher, I think I had a good time in your class. For the first time I met you, I was very surprised because you're the two-spirited and funny teacher. Now I like English more. I want to meet you every week. You gave me a lot of treasure. Thank you. This was my last day in Japan. I stood by my office desk and bowed to everyone. When I stood up, I looked out at their faces. They were all smiling. I smiled back. And despite everything, I knew I was going to miss them. I gathered my bags and Mr. Nakagawa walked me to the elevator. Any parting words of wisdom for me? Be my best friend forever, okay? Okay. Is there anything else you want to say? Well, I love you, loving. I, I love you too. Okay. I promised Mr. Nakagawa I'd come back to Japan someday. He promised to visit me in the U.S. In reality, we knew it'd be hard to stay in touch with more than 9,000 miles between us. Our friendship would likely be reduced to the occasional phone call or a Christmas card. But we both hoped we'd meet again one day. After leaving Japan, I spent a couple of months traveling through Asia and Western Europe. It was a last-ditch effort to put off facing the inevitable reality back home. I'd come full circle. I had no job, no apartment, no car, and only a vague idea of what I wanted to do with my life. 
Like many Americans who taught in Japan, I was in reverse culture shock. In Japan, I'd been a virtual celebrity, but back home, I was virtually nothing. It's hard to find anyone in the U.S. who will pay 50 bucks an hour just to talk with me. It'd be easy to end this story saying how good it is to be home, but it's been hard. I spent so much time in Japan feeling like an outsider, like I didn't belong. Now there are days I feel like a stranger in my own country. And I often wish I was back in Japan, where life was like a strange and hazy dream. Thank、you